So we're in middle of a we're middle of a brisa that we came upon as follows. We're looking for a source, or we were looking for a source that a sukkah has to be at least ten tefachim high. We tried proving it from the Arn and the Kapiris that didn't work because that includes the schach. We proved it from the kruvim, which are one third of the bias, and they're providing schach over an area of ten tefachim, which only worked in shitas Reb Meir that a tefach that an am is six tefachim. If an am is five tefachim, then you would have a proof that a sukkah could be eleven and a half tefachim, but you do not have a proof that a sukkah could be ten tefachim. So, so we struck out. We struck out as finding a, as far as finding a source in the Torah that a sukkah has to be ten tefachim at least. So we reverted and we said, nope, it's halacha mishmasina. In fact, three areas are halacha mishmasina: shiurim, the different, the various sizes for everything, chatzitzim. Uh, what constitutes a chatzitza as far as a mikveh is concerned? And finally, and finally, mechitzin, the walls of a sukkah, the rules for the walls of a sukkah are all halacha mishmisinais. And we started going about challenging that. Really? Shiurim and chatzitzin are halacha mishmisinais? Let's start with shiurim. Says the Gemara, we start according to Brisa, the shiurim are all are all deraisa. In fact, the Pasik that lists the Shivas Haminim, each one of the Shivas Haminim is the source for another shear. We so far discussed the first one in the Pasik, Chita, that wheat is the shear for in time. When we measure things in time, there's shear Kedeachilas Pras, which is the shear takes to eat a half a loaf of bread. Half a loaf of what kind of bread? Wheat bread. That was the shear. That was the shear of wheat. So next, what is barley the shear for? So we are three lines. We are uh, make that four lines from the top of vava medalif. Etzem kisa'ira, a piece of bone, a bone fragment, the size of a barley. Mitama bimaga ubemasa is metame when you hold it, when you touch it, and when you move it. Which means, we know that a body, a dead body, is metame ba'oyhel. That a dead body, if you're in the same roof, and we discussed it a lot in the second part, if a dead body is in the same roof as you, it's metame. For that, you need 51% of a body. You either need most of the bones of a body, most of the size of a body, you need, in some form, a body. So, we're not talking about Tomas Eichel. If you touch any part of a dead person, you become tame. Not even if you touch it, even if you move it. So, for instance, let's say you're pulling a suitcase, and somewhere deep in the suitcase is a piece of a dead person, you're the same tame, not by having touched it, by having moved it. What's the minimum size particle of, for instance, bone? that a person can move or touch and become tame, the size of a barley. If a person moves or touches a bone the size of a barley, that's enough to make him tame. Less than that, he's not tame. So that is the shear we learn from barley. 
What's the next thing in the Pasik? Etzim Kisaira, Etzim the size of a barley, Metame is Metame, the person Bemaga by touching it, Ubemasa by lifting it, by moving it, Vena Metame Ba'il, but it's not Metame by virtue of being under the same roof as it. Gefen, grapes, is a fascinating shear. So, we know if a person becomes a Nazir, he's not allowed to drink wine. How much wine is he not allowed to drink? So the share of all, of all um, liquids is a revius, is a quarter. Revius, a hin, is a quarter of a hin. Some liquid size. 2.2 ounces, 3.3. Chazanish is 5.5 ounces. Somewhere in there. That's what a revius is. But a nazir, a nazir is not only not able to drink wine, He's not able to eat any grape product. So he's not able to eat solid grapes. He's not even able to eat grape leaves. You know from these grape leaves things? It's like Svartim, instead of stuffed cabbage, they have stuffed grape leaves. So um, you're not allowed to eat grape leaves if you're a nausea. Um, and you're not allowed to eat grape pits, if that's your thing. You're not allowed to eat grape stems. Now what's the shear for grape pit stems well, the shear for Nazir is a Revius. But a Revius is a liquid shear. And a solid cannot be measured in fluid ounces. Right? So whatever, pick your shear for Revius. 2.2 ounces, 3.3 ounces, 4.5.5 ounces, whatever your shear for Revius. How does one convert a liquid shear into a solid? How much solids am I not able to eat if I'm a Nazir? Right? So Archimedes discovered that when, you, when he uh, sat in the bath and uh, discovered that he displaced the water, that it was to the top, and like, when he sat in the bath, all the water, or some of it, spilled onto the floor. So he discovered, Eureka, Eureka, he discovered th- this displacement thing. That the way to measure, the way to measure liquid in a solid is displacement. So, it's very simple. How much, how much grape solid are you chayev for if you're a nazir? The amount that displaces a, that displaces a revius. So far, so good. But, displacement happens at different rates depending upon the thickness of the liquid you displace. Now it's very slight, but if the liquid you displace is very runny, you're going to displace slightly more. There won't be any catching on the top. Whatever, you, whatever it's in, the glass that it's in, the cup that it's in, the bathtub that it's in, whatever it's in, there'll be no catching on the top because it's such thin liquid. But like very thick liquids, like so for instance, ketchup or honey, if let's say you put in an olive into a martini, it'll displace this much vodka, but it'll displace slightly less ketchup. If you have a full cup and you drop in an olive into a cup of water or vodka, there'll be X much vodka on your counter. If you drop in an olive into honey or ketchup, there'll be Y much um, ketchup or honey on <coughs> your counter. That depending, excuse the Rebbe Heinrich term, of the viscosity 
of the liquid that you're displacing will depend on how much there is. So fine, so a nazir is chayiv for eating a revius worth of solids determined by displacement in what kind of liquid? Wine. The thickness of wine is the liquid which with, with which we measure the amount of displacement. Says the Gemara, Gefen. What year do we learn from wine, from Gefen, from vine? Could they revius yayin lenazir, the amount of revius yayin lenazir? So, you know, people translate that as, oh, a Gefen, we learn out the shear of revius yayin. The shear of revius yayin is the same as the shear of revius of anything else. It's like saying what weighs more, a pound of feathers or a pound of bricks. The revius yayin is the same as everything else. It means the displacement of another, of a salad, into wine. That's what we learn out of, out of grapes. Te'ena, what do we learn out of figs? Kigregris, the size of a fig, lohitzas Shabbos, for carrying on Shabbos. So we know, <coughs> on Shabbos, on Shabbos, you're not chayev for Malacha Shabbos unless you carry something useful. So for instance, if you carry in your pocket, and there's, Parakim and Shabbos that go on about this, the fifth, sixth, seventh, Parakim, all talk about this. So if, let's say, you walk out on Shabbos and you have in your pocket, you have in your pocket one, you know, an eighth of a cookie, you know, a, a crumb of a cookie, or one jelly bean in your pocket, you, you know, you thought you cleared out your pockets, you have one jelly bean left in your pocket. Well, one jelly bean is not useful, it's not useful for anyone. Like, what are you going to do with one jelly bean? You're not going to get full on one jelly bean. It's, it's useless. So you're not chayev for Shabbos. Okay, how much are you chayev for a Shabbos? Something that would be satisfying. Something that would be yishmak. How much is that? The size of a fig. And te'ena is the shear with which you cross the bar by Shabbos. So that is the shear that we learn from figs. Kigregris, the size of a fig, lahitzah Shabbos. Remind, what is a rim shear for non-food items also? Um, for food, no. Food. Everything else is like for useful. So, for instance, like the Gemara says over there, paint. How much paint do you have? Well, the amount to paint the smallest keli, which is like a little cup. So if you're carrying a marble, which is the size, so, right? So, so what marbles are useful? So I assume marbles uh, you have so to play game, yeah. right? So I was like every everything. The, the Mishnah I'm telling you is like three prakim paper. Well, how much of the paper? Well, the smallest paper, what could you do with that paper? You could write again on that paper. Okay, fine. Then that, uh-huh. That's useful. Well, that paper is like, well, it's made out of parchment to get, but if it's not, you can use it for a kamea. The Gemara, like, well, look at paper. What about brick? The, the amount is, what about wool? The amount to make the smallest bit goes through every item on earth. And, and but food is like one standard cheer for all foods. Gregor's. Rima, pomegranate. What is pomegranate this year for? Ditanan. All kalim of homemakers, shiur and kareemainim. The shear is the size of a pomegranate, which means, let's say your wife has a bowl that she puts fruit for the kids when they come home from school so they shouldn't eat cookies. So she puts out every day a bowl of fruit. So she has a bowl, and you know, she has in there grapes and strawberries, and then the bowl if it's made out of wood, if it's made out of other materials, there's different shirim, the bowl springs a leak. So, like any good Polish wife, your wife's not going to throw out a bowl just because it has a leak. Just don't put grapes in there anymore. Start putting in there, you know, plums and peaches. 
then the hole grows a little bigger. And like your wife can no longer put in their plums and peaches because even they fell out the hole. Until the hole reaches the size of a pomegranate, a homemaker, so it says balabatim, a homemaker will continue to use the keli and it's still makabotoma because it has usefulness. So what if you can't anymore store sugar in that bowl? And so what if you can't anymore store grapes or cherries in that bowl? It's still good until a whole pomegranate could fall out of that bowl. At that point, you don't say, well, this is going to be a good watermelon holder. No, at that point, most people, at the point that it loses a pomegranate, and a pomegranate will slip out, most people say, you know what, this bowl is useless and throw it in the garbage. At that point, it's not makabal tum anymore. Balabatim is to the exclusion of professionals. If you have a if you have a store and like your bin that you sell such and such widgets in has a hole, a store owner, a professional, doesn't say, well, instead of selling these widgets, I'm going to sell those widgets. A store owner, if it, if it breaks, throws it out. So for a store owner, any hole makes it no longer mekabotoma, no longer useful. Balabatim, homemakers, for them, any small hole does not render it useless and therefore not mekabotoma. Once it hits the size of a pomegranate, that's a consensus that this bowl is useless and it's no longer mekabotoma. Next year was Zayis. Zayis says the Gemara, Eretz Zeis Shemen, Eretz, a land, everything's the sheer Kezayis. How much chalif do you have to eat Kezayis? How much dam do you have to eat Kezayis? How much nicer do you have to eat Kezayis? How much basm chalif do you have to eat Kezayis? Everything's the sheer Kezayis. Says that's what you learn from Isaiah. Says the Gemara, kol You think everything? Hayikahani, damrinan. We just got finished saying five things that isn't. Shear kezayis. What do you mean everything is the shear kezayis? Something's in the shear of wheat. Something is the shear of barley. Something is the shear of pomegranates. Something's the shear of grapes. What do you mean all the shearum are based on kezayis? Okay, fine. You're right. I misspoke. Ela'ema shiroiv shirei kezayis. Most shearum are, are the size of an olive. And finally, dvash, the shear for honey. In general, whenever you talk about food, the shear of achila is kezayis. Except on Yom Kippur, you will never find the word in the Torah, Achila. The Torah never says, do not eat on Yom Kippur. It says, Kichol nefesh se'una. Do not, any person that doesn't afflict themselves. Affliction means you prevent yourself from getting full. No one gets full from a Kezayis. So if you eat a Kezayis in Yom Kippur, you're not high. Because that will not remove you from a state of affliction. Eating a kezayis will not remove you from the state of affliction. So therefore, the shear of eating on Yom Kippur that you're chayev, which means how much do you have to eat and I am no longer afflicted. I'm not in pain anymore. I'm fine. I'll be okay for the rest of the day now. What is that shear? Kikaiseves hagasa biyayim hakipurim. A fat date is the shir on Yom Kippur. A good gezunte date. If you eat a full date, that's enough to make you not in pain anymore on Yom Kippur. And that's the shear that you would get kares for if you violated it on Yom Kippur. Alma de Raisa Ninu. 
now that we've finished all these particulars, bottom line is, every shear is learned from the Torah. We just learned seven shear from seven words in the Torah. So what are you talking about? You said, oh, shear marhalach l'mishim Sinai. Not true. Shiurim are explicitly in the Torah. Says more, really? You, you think that's real? The Tizbra, Shiurim Miksivi. Does it say Shiurim? Does it say anywhere in that Pasik, wheat is for this, barley is for that, pomegranate is for that, grape is for that? Does it say anywhere in the Pasik that Shiurim? The Pasik is a nice Pasik talking about how great Eretz Yisrael is and what kind of fruits it produces. You're making a drosha. You're making like some drush. Ella says the Gemara, I'm correct that the Shirim are really The Pasik is merely an asmachta. The Pasik is a hint. The Pasik is just a place to hang our hat on. If you really want to know really where we know the Shirim from, I was correct. We learned it from Allah Sinai. If you want a cute remez in the Torah that alludes to our halacha Sinai, yes, you will find it in that pasuk. But I remain correct, says the Gemara, that the real source for shiurim is halacha l'mayshem Sinai. Let's move on to the next one. You claimed that chatzitzas are halacha l'mayshem Sinai. Says the Gemara, and this we're not really going to back down on. Says the Gemara, chatzitzin. You said that the chatzitzah is what blocks a person from going into the mikvah fully is only a halach Sinai, the rules of chatzitzah, what constitutes a chatzitzah, both size-wise and item-wise, is halach Sinai? No, it's not. It's also a pasik. It's clearly in the Torah. Like it's written in the Torah, it says in the Torah, you will wash your skin in water. And that says that your skin has to touch the water. There can't be between your skin and the water a foreign item. Says the Gemara, that there cannot be anything blocking between him and the water. So, you're wrong. You're wrong, and there's no way around it. The Torah says clearly, it's a pussing in the Torah. You will wash your skin directly in water. You will not have anything between your skin and the water. It is a straight-up pussing. It's not a halach It's indefensible. Says the Gemara, okay, you're right. You're right, you're right. When I said... I meant I meant that not only does your body have to touch the water directly and have nothing blocking between your body and the water, your hair has to touch the water directly and there can be nothing blocking between your hair and the water. In fact, like Rabbi Barbachana said, Nima ahas, one strand of hair, kishura, that's knotted, chaitsetzes, is a chatzitza. Because one piece of hair, or one strand of hair itself that gets knotted, 
it's really tight. There's no competing forces pulling the hair apart. So when one hair, that happens to me all the time, when one hair gets knotted by itself, it, it's momish, it's momish stuck. It, 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 nothing's moving. Shalish, three hairs that get knotted together, they're, they're, not, they're not permanent. Ain't a chaitzetzis. It's not, it's not chaitzetz. Shtayim, ain't a day. Two hairs, so it's not such a tug of war between two hairs. It's, you know, it's pretty tight. On the other hand, there is a slight tug of war. I'm not sure if two hairs knotted with each other constitutes a chatzitza or not. Bottom line is, whatever the halach is, I am in the Shulchan Aruch, Yeridei, Simen, Reish. I think the longest Simen in Shulchan Aruch, halacha-wise. Um, my father told me that when the Rashiva didn't want to give a guy uh, smicha, so he would like keep like sending him back, just do that. Find us and just do one more simon in, in Shochanach, simon Rish. And like that'll be the last you ever heard of the guy. It's like it's like incredibly long, this, this uh, simon in Shochanach. Um, so two hairs, I don't know if it's a chitzitza. Bottom line is, hair has chitzitza problems. And that's not a pusik. That's what I meant is a halachalamash mesina. Says the Gemara, sorry. Sorry, nami dairaisinin. The halacha of hair and chatzitzas pertaining to hair is also dairaisa. Dechsev, like it says, v'rochat es besare bamayim. You will wash your hair bamayim. Now, I, I never like was able to say this. Like I knew, till I had a kid by Rabbi Brasher. S means nothing. That's <laughs> what I learned from Rabbi Brasher. S means nothing. There's no translation for S. You could stand on your head. I mean, like, now in modern Hebrew, like, when you want to say, like, Yossi et Chaim, like, it means with. But that's not what the Torah means when it says S. S means nothing. So whenever the Torah says S, it's a drasha. It's like a free pass drasha. No, you know, you, no questions. So the Torah has an extra word here. Virachatz S besare bamayim. It says, when it comes to mikveh, you'll wash your skin in water. For the same price, it could have said "verachatz besare b'mayim." You gain nothing from the S. So what's the S telling you? S hatafel besare. S comes to include not only is your flesh have to touch water, the item that's secondary to your flesh has to touch water as well. Umayni, what's second to your flesh? Sarai. Your hair, and that is a straight up drasha. So strike two. You tell me, no, it's not, it's a pasik. Then you tried convincing me that chatzitzas by hair is a halacha mishimisinai. No, it's not, it's a drush, it's S, it's also menatera. Strike two. So what did you mean when you said that chatzitzas are halacha mishimisinai? Give me one more shot. Says, says, you know what halacha mishimisinai is coming for? Lichadur of Yitzchak. For Yitzchak. The Omar Rabbi Yitzchak, <coughs> Rabbi Yitzchak says, what is a chatzitza? Which means, which means, yes, a chatzitza means something between your skin and, and the mikvah. What? How much? For instance, for instance, is nail polish a chatzitza? Everyone will tell you, yeah, but why? I want nail polish. 
I put it on. I mean, not me, but like, I, I put it on purposely. I want it there. Why is it chatzitza? I would guess means an unwanted thing. So what constitutes a chatzitza? And besides, let me ask you a question. If I took a pen and made a teeny little dot right here, like, or, you know, even like further up, like, you know, like right there, do you really care if just like one dot, I took a little pen, a little dot, I mean, you don't want it. You, you, you put it on purposely, a pen dot on your skin. But, like, really, does it bother you? Is that a chatzitza? So what constitutes a chatzitza? Let me ask you another question. It's a bathing suit, a chatzitza. When I go to the pool, I wear a bathing suit. I want it. It's not like, shoot, I wish I could get rid of this thing. I want it there. So is that a chatzitza? What's a chatzitza? Chatzitza, if I would ask a guy on the street, what's a chatzitza? Chatzitza is something I don't want there. It's blocking. So you're right. If my body's full of mud, I understand why that's a chatzitza. I want to be clean, and like there's this ichi mud on me, and it's, I'm not happy about it. But <coughs> what makes a chatzitza? Yes, so, so, so what's the rules? What's the rules? That's the rules. That's the Allah Hashemesinah. Says the Gemara as follows. Dvar Taira, as far as the Taira is concerned, Rubai umakbed alav chaitzitz. You need two strikes against you for it to be a chaitzitza. Which means, if you think about it, the Taira goes by rave. So if something is on 49% of your body, it's not there. Most of your body's fine. If something's on 51% of your body, then you're totally covered. Tara says, your body has to go on the mikvah. So we go, as far as Tara is concerned, you go by rife. So if 49% of my body is not chaytzetzt, I'm fine. And moreover, it has to be something I don't want there in order to be a chatzitza. If it's something I don't mind being there, there's nothing wrong with it. So as far as the Tara is concerned, a person can go to the mikvah for sure with a bathing suit because it's not on 50% of my body. And beside, I want it there. So even if it is on 50% of my body, I want it there. The only thing that would constitute a chatzitza, midairaisa, is rubai umakbid. Rubai umakbid alav chatzitza. If I don't mind it, it doesn't constitute a chatzitza. Vigazru, and we made exera. Even one strike is bad. If it's rive, or it's a miyat, but you're makbid. The gazru al-rubai she'enai makbid, and we made two gzairs. If it's on rive of you, even if you're not makbid, mishem rubai makbid, because that's one step removed from two strikes. Or val miyutei makbid, or even if it's on a minority of your body, but you're upset about it, that's also mishem rubai makbid. It's also one step removed from Rav and Machbet. You're right, it's not Rav, but it's Machbet. So we added on, we added on one strike. Minat Taira, you need two strikes. We added on one strike. We added on one strike. Somebody says, maybe add on no strikes. Veligzer nami amiyute she'ene Machbet. Why don't you add on no strikes? It's a minority of your body and you don't mind. For instance, teeny piece of dirt under your fingernail, why don't we add that on? It's a mutive and a Where it says, no, that's two steps removed. Says the Gemara, 
Mishum Yutei Amachbet, Inam Mishum Rubeshen Amachbet. No, he goof Xera. One strike is Xera. No, Svanah Nekam the Nigs Xera Xera, and we should make a secondary Xera. So those are the rules of Chatzitza. Where's the Allah Lamish Misinai? Says Rashi, the Allah Lamish Misinai is that hair has the same rules as your body. That your hair is viewed as its own area. You don't view your hair as a minority of your body. The Allah Lamish Misinai says as follows. Now let's say your body is 250 square inches. I don't know if that's like in the ballpark or not. Your body's 250 square inches. Your hair is 40 square inches. So theoretically, you could wear like a, a bathing cap. And like, who cares? It's still only 5% of your body. No. The Allah Mishmissinai is that your hair itself has its own rules. Your hair has its own miyut, and your hair has its own raiv, and your hair has its own makbit, and your hair has its own she'ene makbit. The Allah Mishmissinai, this is what Rashi explains, equates hair to your body. That hair is its own body, and it's not in the total cheshbon of your body. Because your body, you need two strikes. You need a rive and makbid. Or, midrabanan, one strike. Either rive or makbid. Hair, if it would be in the general picture, would always be okay. Because it's a minority of your body. So, you know, you know hair is fine. Terrence says no. Hair is its own percentage. Hair has its own shear. So in your hair itself is, their own, is its own share of rubite or miyat or makbit or ene makbit. Only hair on your head? No, any hair. Any yeah. Yeah. Which is why you can't wear a conditioner in the mikvah. This conditioner blocks your hair. You know, it's like, if it wouldn't be for this, who cares? So it's on 5% of my body or my kids, like 1% of my body. But it, like, it, it doesn't block. The tarot says hair is its own Mass. It's that's its own body. That's the same as the tefillin. No, so for t- yeah, so for tefillin, yeah, for tefillin, but you would you would need both. You need two strikes. Uh, can you use conditioner? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's in a makbid. It's in a makbid. You purposely put it on. Um, by the way, this gemara, the Rama says in in the aforementioned Simon Reish that nowadays, since we're makbid on everything, everything. As far as the Hatzitz is concerned, is miyute ve'ene makbed. Is miyute u'makbed, I'm sorry. So if you say, like, so why do we have to do any checks before the mikvah, anything, like, who cares? It, at worst case scenario, it's miyute ve'ene makbed. Let's say there's one piece of dirt under a fingernail. Who cares? Terence is, since the halacha is we have to check, everything becomes miyute ha'makbed. And that's why, that's why we check. Okay, fine. We shall stop here for tonight. We'll finish up tomorrow night. You don't have Harusa. Nice. So we're in the middle of a we're middle of a brisa that we came upon as follows. We're looking for a source, or we were looking for a source, that a sukkah has to be at least 10 fachim high. We tried proving it from the Arn and the Kapiris, that didn't work because that includes the schach. We proved it from the Kruvim, which are one-third of the bias. 
and they're providing schach over an area of ten tefachim, which only worked in shitas Reb Meir that a tefach, that an am is six tefachim. If an am is five tefachim, then you would have a proof that a sukkah could be eleven and a half tefachim, but you do not have a proof that a sukkah could be ten tefachim. So, so we struck out. We struck out as finding a, as far as finding a source in the Torah that a sukkah has to be ten tefachim at least. So we reverted and we said, nope, it's halacha mishmasina. In fact, three areas are halacha mishmasina: shiurim, the different, the various sizes for everything, chatzitzim. Uh, what constitutes a chatzitza as far as a mikveh is concerned? And finally, and finally, mechitzim, the walls of a sukkah, the rules for the walls of a sukkah are all halacha mishmisinais. And we started going about challenging that. Really? Shiurim and chatzitzim are halacha mishmisinais? Let's start with shiurim. Says the Gemara, we start according to Brisa, the shiurim are all are all deraisa. In fact, the Pasik that lists the Shivas Haminim, each one of the Shivas Haminim is the source for another shear. We so far discussed the first one in the Pasik, Chita, that wheat is the shear for in time. When we measure things in time, there's shear Kedeachilas Pras, which is the shear takes to get a half a loaf of bread. Half a loaf of what kind of bread? Wheat bread. That was the shear. That was the shear of wheat. So next, what is barley the shear for? So we are three lines. We are uh, make that four lines from the top of vava medalif. Etzem kisa'ira, a piece of bone, a bone fragment, the size of a barley. Mitama bimaga ubemasa is metame when you hold it, when you touch it, and when you move it. Which means, we know that a body, a dead body, is metame ba'oyhel. That a dead body, if you're in the same roof, and we discussed it a lot in the second part, if a dead body is in the same roof as you, it's metame. For that, you need 51% of a body. You either need most of the bones of a body, most of the size of a body, you need, in some form, a body. So, we're not talking about Thomas Eichel. If you touch any part of a dead person, you become tame. Not even if you touch it, even if you move it. So, for instance, let's say you're pulling a suitcase, and somewhere deep in the suitcase is a piece of a dead person, you're the same tame, not by having touched it, by having moved it. What's the minimum size particle of, for instance, bone? that a person can move or touch and become tame, the size of a barley. If a person moves or touches a bone the size of a barley, that's enough to make him tame. Less than that, he's not tame. So that is the shear we learn from barley. What's the next thing in the Pasik? Etzim kisaira, etzim the size of a barley, metame is metame, the person bemaga by touching it, ubemasa by lifting it, by moving it, but is not metame by virtue of being under the same roof as it. Gefen, grapes, is a fascinating shear. 
So, we know if a person becomes a Nazir, he's not allowed to drink wine. How much wine is he not allowed to drink? So the share of all, of all um, liquid is a revius, is a quarter. Revius, a hin, is a quarter of a hin. Some liquid size. 2.2 ounces, 3.3. Chazanish is 5.5 ounces. Somewhere in there. That's what a revius is. But a Nazir... <coughs> A Nazir is not only not able to drink wine, he's not able to eat any grape product. So he's not able to eat solid grapes. He's not even able to eat grape leaves. You know from these grape leaves things? It's like Svartim, instead of stuffed cabbage, they have stuffed grape leaves. So um, you're not allowed to eat grape leaves if you're a Nazir. Um, And you're not allowed to eat grape pits, if that's your thing. You're not allowed to eat grape stems. Now, what's the shear for grape pit stems? Well, the shear for Nazir is a revius. But a revius is a liquid shear. And a solid cannot be measured in fluid ounces. Right? So whatever, pick your shear for revius. 2.2 ounces, 3.3 ounces, 4.5.5 ounces, whatever your shear for revius. How does one convert a liquid shear into a solid. How much solids am I not able to eat if I'm a nausea? Right? So Archimedes discovered that when you, when he uh, sat in the bath and uh, discovered that he displaced the water, that it was to the top and like when he sat in the bath all the water, or some of it spilled onto the floor so he discovered, Eureka, Eureka he discovered this displacement thing that the way to measure, the way to measure liquid in a solid is displacement. So, it's very simple. How much, how much grape solid are you chayev for if you're a nausea? The amount that displaces a, that displaces a revius. So far, so good. But, displacement happens at different rates depending upon the thickness of the liquid you displace. Now it's very slight, but if the liquid you displace is very runny, you're going to displace slightly more. There won't be any catching on the top. Whatever, you, whatever it's in, the glass that it's in, the cup that it's in, the bathtub that it's in, whatever it's in, there'll be no catching on the top because it's such thin liquid but like very thick liquids, like so for instance, ketchup or honey, if let's say you put in an olive into a martini, it'll displace this much vodka, but it'll displace slightly less ketchup. If you have a full cup and you drop in an olive into a cup of water or vodka, there'll be X much vodka on your counter. If you drop in an olive into honey or ketchup, there'll be Y much um, ketchup or honey on your counter, that depending, excuse the Rebbe Heinrich term, of the viscosity of the liquid that you're displacing will depend on how much there is. So fine, so a nausea is chayiv for eating a revius worth of solids determined by displacement in what kind of liquid? Wine. The thickness of wine is the liquid which with, with which we measure the amount of displacement says the Gemara, Geffen, 
What shear do we learn from wine, from gefer, from vine? Kedei revius yayin lenazir, the amount of revius yayin lenazir. So, you know, people translate that as, oh, a gefer, we learn out the shear of revius yayin. The shear of revius yayin is the same as the shear of revius of anything else. It's like saying, what weighs more, a pound of feathers or a pound of bricks? The revius yayin is the same as everything else. It means the displacement of another, of a solid, into wine. That's what we learn out of out of grapes. Te'ena, what do we learn out of figs? Kegregris, the size of a fig, lohitzas Shabbos, for carrying on Shabbos. So we know, <coughs> on Shabbos, on Shabbos, you're not chayev for Malacha Shabbos unless you carry something useful. So for instance, if you carry in your pocket, and there's parakim and Shabbos that go on about this, the fifth, sixth, seventh, parakim, all talk about this. So if, let's say, you walk out on Shabbos and you have in your pocket, you have in your pocket one, you know, an eighth of a cookie, you know, a, a crumb of a cookie, or one jelly bean in your pocket, you, you know, you thought you cleared out your pockets, you have one jelly bean left in your pocket. Well, one jelly bean is not useful, it's not useful for anyone. Like, what are you going to do with one jelly bean? You're not going to get full on one jelly bean. It's, it's useless. So you're not high for Shabbos. Okay, how much are you chayev for a Shabbos? Something that would be satisfying. Something that would be yishmak. How much is that? The size of a fig. And te'ena is the shear with which you cross the bar by Shabbos. So that is the shear that we learn from figs. Kigregris, the size of a fig, lahitzah Shabbos. Remind, what is a rem- shear for non-food items also. Um, for food, no. Food. Everything else is like for useful. So, for instance, like the Gemara says over there, paint. How much paint do you have? Well, the amount to paint the smallest keli, which is like a little cup. So if you're carrying a marble, which is the same size. So, right, so, so what marbles are useful? So, I assume marbles uh, you have so to play game. Yeah. Right, so I was like, every, everything, the, the Mishma I'm telling you is like three prokim paper. Well, how much of the paper? Well, the smallest paper, what could you do with that paper? You could write again on that paper. Okay, fine. But that, uh-huh. That's useful. Well, that paper is like, well, it's made out of parchment to get, but if it's not, you can use it for a kamea. The Gemara, like, well, look at paper. What about brick? The, the amount is, what about wool? The amount to make the smallest bit goes through every item on earth. And, and but food is like one standard cheer for all foods. Gregor's. Rima, pomegranate. What is pomegranate this year for? Ditanan. Called Klibalabatim. All Kalim of homemakers, Shiur and Kriminim. The shear is the size of a pomegranate, which means, let's say your wife has a bowl that she puts fruit for the kids when they come home from school so they shouldn't eat cookies. So she puts out every day a bowl of fruit. So she has a bowl, and you know, she has in there grapes and strawberries, and then the bowl. If it's made out of wood, if it's made out of other materials, there's different shirim, the bowl springs a leak. So, like any good Polish wife, your wife's not going to throw out a bowl just because it has a leak. Just don't put grapes in there anymore. Start putting in there, you know, plums and peaches. <coughs> then the hole grows a little bigger. And, like, your wife can no longer put in there plums and peaches because even they fell out the hole. Until the hole reaches the size of a pomegranate... A homemaker, that's why it says Balabatim, a homemaker will continue to use the keli and it's still Makabotoma because it has usefulness. So what if you can't anymore store sugar in that bowl? 
And so what if you can't anymore store grapes or cherries in that bowl? It's still good until a whole pomegranate could fall out of that bowl. At that point, you don't say, well, this is going to be a good watermelon holder. No, at that point, most people, at the point that it loses a pomegranate, and a pomegranate will slip out, most people say, you know what, this bowl is useless and throw it in the garbage. At that point, it's not macabre tum anymore. Balabatim is to the exclusion of professionals. If you have a, if you have a store, and like your bin that you sell such and such widgets in has a hole, a store owner, a professional, doesn't say, well, instead of selling these widgets, I'm going to sell those widgets. A store owner, if it, if it breaks, throws it out. So for a store owner, any hole makes it no longer mekabotoma, no longer useful. Balabatim, homemakers, for them, any small hole does not render it useless and therefore not mekabotoma. Once it hits the size of a pomegranate, that's a consensus that this bowl is useless and it's no longer mekabotoma. Next year was Zayis, Kezayis. Says the Gemara, Eretz Zeis Shemen, Eretz, a land, everything's the sheer Kezayis. How much Chelev do you have to eat Kezayis? How much Dam do you have to eat Kezayis? How much Neusser do you have to eat Kezayis? How much Basim Chalab do you have to eat Kezayis? Everything's the sheer Kezayis. Says that's what you learn from Isaiah. Says the Gemara, Kol You think everything? Hoi Damrinan, we just got finished saying five things that isn't sheer kezayis. What do you mean everything is the sheer kezayis? Some things are the sheer of wheat. Something is the sheer of barley. Something is the sheer of pomegranates. Something is the sheer of grapes. What do you mean all the shirim are based on kezayis? Okay, fine. You're right. I misspoke. Ela'ema shiroiv shirei kezayis. Most shirim are, are the size of an olive. And finally, dvash, the sheer for honey... In general, whenever you talk about food, the shear of Achila is Kezayis. Except on Yom Kippur, you will never find the word in the Torah, Achila. The Torah never says, do not eat on Yom Kippur. It says, Kichol nefesh suuna. Do not, any person that doesn't afflict themselves. Affliction means you prevent yourself from getting full. No one gets full from a Kezayis. So if you eat a Kezayis in Yom Kippur, you're not high. Because that will not remove you from a state of affliction. Eating a Kezayis will not remove you from the state of affliction. So therefore, the sheer of eating on Yom Kippur that you're high, which means how much do you have to eat and I'm no longer afflicted. I'm not in pain anymore. I'm fine. I'll be okay for the rest of the day now. What is that sheer? Kikaiseves hagasa biyayim hakipurim. A fat date is the shir on Yom Kippur. A good gesunte date. If you eat a full date, that's enough to make you not in pain anymore on Yom Kippur. And that's the shear that you would get kares for if you violated it on Yom Kippur. Alma Now that we've finished all these particulars, bottom line is, every shear is learned from the Torah. We just learned seven shirim from seven words in the Torah. So what are you talking about? You said, oh, shiurim are halach l'mishim Sinai. Not true. Shiurim are explicitly in the Torah. Says, well, really? You, you think that's real? V'tizbra, shiurim miksivi. Does it say shiurim? Does it say anywhere in that Pasuk, wheat is for this, barley is for that, pomegranate is for that, grape is for that? 
Does it say anywhere in the Pasik that sure? The Pasik is a nice Pasik talking about how great Eretz Yisrael is and what kind of fruits it produces. You're making a drosha. You're making like some drosh. Ella says the Gemara, I'm correct that the Shirim are really halachal mishmasinais. Vikras smachta ba'almahu. The Pasik is merely an asmachta. The Pasik is a hint. The Pasik is just a place to hang our hat on. If you really want to know, really, where do we know the Shiurim from? I was correct. We learned it from Allah HaMeshemisina. If you want a cute remez in the Torah that alludes to our Halacha Mishmesinai, yes, you will find it in that passage. But I remain correct, says the Gemara, that the real source for Shiurim is Halacha Lema Let's move on to the next one. You claimed that Chatzitzah's or halacha says the Gemara, and this we're not really going to back down on. Says the Gemara, chatzitzin. You said that the chatzitzin is what blocks a person from going into the mikvah fully is only a halacha the rules of chatzitzin, what constitutes a chatzitzin, both size wise and item wise. Is Allah Mishmisinai? No, it's not. It's also a Pasik. It's clearly in the Torah. Like it's written in the Torah. It says in the Torah, you will wash your skin in water. And that says that your skin has to touch the water. There can't be between your skin and the water. A foreign item. Says the Gemara, that there cannot be anything blocking between him and the water. So, you're wrong. You're wrong, and there's no way around it. The Torah says clearly, it's a pussing in the Torah. You will wash your skin directly in water. You will not have anything between your skin and the water. It is a straight-up pussing. It's not Allah Mishmisinai. It's indefensible. Says the Gemara, okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. Kiyasi when I said Chatzitza is Allah Mishmisinai, I meant Lesaroi. I meant that not only does your body have to touch the water directly and have nothing blocking between your body and the water, your hair has to touch the water directly, and there can be nothing blocking between your hair and the water. In fact, Kidarabba Barbachana, like Rabba Barbachana said, Damarabba Barbachana, Nima Ahas, one strand of hair, Kishura, that's knotted, Chaitsetsis, is a Chatsitsa. Because one piece of hair, or one strand of hair itself that gets knotted, it's really tight. There's no competing forces pulling the hair apart. So when one hair, that happens to me all the time, when one hair gets knotted by itself, it, it's momish, it's momish stuck. It, 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 nothing's moving. Shalish, three hairs that get knotted together, they're, they're, not, they're not permanent. Ain't a chaitzetzis. It's not, it's not chaitzetz. Shtayim, ain't a day. Two hairs, so it's not such a tug of war between two hairs. It's, you know, 
it's pretty tight. On the other hand, there is a slight tug of war. I'm not sure if two hairs knotted with each other constitutes a chatzitza or not. Bottom line is, whatever the halach is, I am in the Shulchan Aruch, Yerideh, Simen, Reish, I think the longest Simen in Shulchan Aruch, Halacha wise. Um, my father told me that when the Rashiva didn't want to give a guy uh, smicha, so he would like keep like sending him back, just do the finally said, just do one more simon in, in Shochanach, Simon Resh. And like that would be the last he ever heard of the guy. It's like it's like incredibly long, this this uh, simon in Shochanach. Um so two hairs, I don't know if it's a chitzitza. Bottom line is, hair has chitzitza problems, and that's not a pusik. And that's what I meant is a halachalamash mesina. Says the Gemara, sorry. Sarinami Dairaisaninu. The halacha of hair and chatzitzas pertaining to hair is also Dairaisa. Dichsiv, like it says, Virachat Espisare Bamayim. You will wash your hair Bamayim. Now, I, I never like was able to say this. Like I knew till I had a kid by Rabbi Brasher. S means nothing. <laughs> I learned from Rabbi Brasher. S means nothing. There's no translation for S. You could stand on your head. I mean, like, now in modern Hebrew, like, when you want to say, like, Yossi et Chaim, like, it means with. But that's not what the Torah means when it says S. S means nothing. So whenever the Torah says S, it's a drasha. It's like a free pass drasha. No, you know, you, no questions. So the Torah has an extra word here. Virachatz S besare bamayim. It says, when it comes to mikveh, you'll wash your skin in water. For the same price, it could have said "verachatz besar b'mayim." You gain nothing from the S. So what's the S telling you? S hatafel besare. S comes to include not only is your flesh have to touch water, the item that's secondary to your flesh has to touch water as well. Umayni, what's second to your flesh? Sarai. Your hair, and that is a straight up drasha. So strike two. You tell me, no, it's not, it's a Pasuk. Then you tried convincing me that chatzitzas by hair is a halacha mishimisinai. No, it's not, it's a drush, it's S. It's also menatera. Strike two. So what did you mean when you said that chatzitzas are halacha mishimisinai? Give me one more shot. Says, says, you know what halacha mishimisinai is coming for? Lichadur of Yitzchak. For Yitzchak. The Omar Rabbi Yitzchak, <coughs> Rabbi Yitzchak says, what is a chatzitza? Which means, which means, yes, a chatzitza means something between your skin and, and the mikvah. What? How much? For instance, for instance, is nail polish a chatzitza? Everyone will tell you, yeah, but why? I want nail polish. I put it on. I mean, not me. But like, I, I put it on purposely. I want it there. Why is it chatzitza? Chatzitza, I would guess, means an unwanted thing. So what constitutes a chatzitza? And besides, let me ask you a question. If I took a pen and made a teeny little dot right here, like, or, you know, even, like, further up, like, you know, like, right there, do you really care if just, like, one dot, I took a little pen, a little dot, I mean, you don't want it. You, you, be, you put it on purposely, a pen dot on your skin. But, like, really, does it bother you? 
Is that a chatzitza? So what constitutes a chatzitza? Let me ask you another question. It's a bathing suit a chatzitza. When I go to the pool, I wear a bathing suit. I want to. It's not like, shoot, I wish I could get rid of this thing. I want it there. So is that a chatzitza? What's a chatzitza? Chatzitza, if I would ask a guy on the street, what's a chatzitza? Chatzitza is something I don't want there. It's blocking. So you're right. If my body's full of mud, I understand why that's a chatzitza. I want to be clean, and like there's this ichi mud on me, and it's, I'm not happy about it. But <coughs> what makes a chatzitza? Yes, so, so, so what's the rules? What's the rules? That's the rules. That's the Allah Hashemisinai. Says the Gemara as follows. Dvar Taira, as far as the Taira is concerned, Rubai umakbed alav chaitzitz. You need two strikes against you for it to be a chatzitza. Which means, if you think about it, the Taira goes by Rav. So if something is on 49% of your body, it's not there. Most of your body's fine. If something's on 51% of your body, then you're totally covered. Tara says, your body has to go on the mikvah. So we go, as far as Tara is concerned, you go by Rav. So if 49% of my body is not chaytzitzt, I'm fine. And moreover, it has to be something I don't want there in order to be a chatzitza. If it's something I don't mind being there, there's nothing wrong with it. So as far as the Tara is concerned, a person can go to the mikvah for sure with a bathing suit because it's not on 50% of my body. And beside, I want it there. So even if it is on 50% of my body, I want it there. The only thing that would constitute a chatzitza, midairaisa, is rubai umakbid. Rubai umakbid alav chatzitz. V'she'enai makbid alav, if I don't mind it, enai chatzitz. It doesn't constitute a chatzitza. V'gazru, and we made a even one strike is bad. If it's rave, or it's a miyat, but you're makbid. V'gazru, al-rubay, she'enai makbid, and we made two gzeras. If it's on rave of you, even if you're not makbid, mishem rubay makbid, because that's one step removed from two strikes. Or v'almiyutei makbid, or even if it's on a minority of your body, but you're upset about it. That's also mishem rubay makbid. It's also one step removed from Rav and Machbet. You're right, it's not Rav, but it's Machbet. So we added on, we added on one strike. Minat you need two strikes. We added on one strike. We added on one strike. Somebody says, maybe add on no strikes. Veligzer nami amiyute she'ene Machbet. Why don't you add on no strikes? It's a minority of your body and you don't mind. For instance, teeny piece of dirt under your fingernail, why don't we add that on? It's a mutev and a makbid. Someone says, no, that's two steps removed. Says the Gemara, mishum yutev makbid, inam mishum rubesh and a makbid. No, he goof exera. One strike is exera. Nos v'anah nekam v'niks exera exera. And we should make a secondary exera. So those are the rules of chatzitza. Where's the Allah HaMishim Sinai? Says Rashi, the Allah HaMishim Sinai is that hair has the same rules as your body. That your hair is viewed as its own area. You don't view your hair as a minority of your body. The Allah Mishvisinah says as follows. Now let's say your body is 250 square inches. I don't know if that's like in the ballpark or not. 
Your body's 250 square inches. Your hair is 40 square inches. So theoretically, you could wear like a, a bathing cap. And like, who cares? It's still only 5% to your body. No. The Allah Mishmisina is that your hair itself has its own rules. Your hair has its own miut, and your hair has its own raiv, and your hair has its own makbit, and your hair has its own she'ene makbit. The Allah Mishmisinai, this is what Rashi explains, equates hair to your body. That hair is its own body, and it's not in the total cheshman of your body. Because your body, you need two strikes. You need a raiv and makbit, or midrabanan, one strike, either raiv or makbit. Hair, if it will be in the general picture, would always be okay, because it's a minority of your body. So, you know, you know, hair is fine. Terrence says no. Hair is its own percentage. Hair has its own shear. So in your hair, itself is, their own, is its own share of rubite or miat or makbit or ene makbit. Only hair in your head? No, any hair. Any. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why you can't wear a conditioner in the mikvah. This conditioner blocks your hair. And it's like, if it wouldn't be for this, who cares? So it's on 5% of my body, or my case, like 1% of my body. But it, like, it, it doesn't block. The tarot is, hair is its own mass. It's that's its the, own body. You have to say that for tefillin? No, so for, yeah, so for tefillin, yeah, for tefillin, but you would, you would need both. You need two strikes. Can you use conditioner? Uh, yeah, 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 because it's in a makbid. It's in a makbid. You purposely put it on. Um, by the way, this Gemara, the Ramah says in, in the aforementioned Simon Reish, that nowadays, since we're makbar on everything, everything, as far as the Hatzitz is concerned, is miyute ve'ene makbar. Is miyute makbar, I'm sorry. So if you say, like, so why do we have to do any checks before the mikvah, anything, like, who cares? At worst case scenario, it's miyute ve'ene makbar. Let's say there's one piece of dirt under a fingernail. Who cares? Terence is, since the halacha is, we have to check, Everything becomes miyutai hamakbid. And that's why, that's why we check. Okay, fine. We shall stop here for tonight. We'll finish up tomorrow night. And you, oh, you don't have a Nice. You have to go, or are you going because you don't have harusa? Okay. 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 So, we said that the fact that a sukkah has to be ten tefachim high, at least, at least according to Rabbi Yehuda, is not going to have a source in the Torah. Rameir, we had a source, Kruvim, one third of the height. Minus 10, but in Rabbi Huda, it would make the sukkah 11 and a half fachim. No source in Rabbi Huda in the Torah for Kruvim, for, sorry, for a sukkah being 10 fachim. And we said three things are halach la mishmisinah's anyway. Shurin, which we went through two nights ago last night, and chatzitzim, hilchas chatzitzah, which we went through last night, and the last thing was mechitzim. This is going to go unchallenged. Says the Gemara, mechitzim. We are, I would say, it's like seven lines from the top of the page on Vava Midbez. Mechitzin, Hadi Amrin. We said Mechitzin. Mechitzas are Halacha Mishmi Sinai. Says the Gemara, 
according to some people, not according to everybody. Ha Nichol Reb Yehuda. That's perfect according to Reb Yehuda. According to Reb Yehuda, you're 100% right. We have no source in the Torah that a mechitza has to be 10 tfachim high. And therefore, we need to come on to Halacha Mishra Sinai for mechitzas. Says the Gemara, Elul Reb Meir, Michael Meimar. But according to Remeyer, Remeyer was all good. Remeyer learned. He anyway holds that every Am is six Tvachim. So he had a great source in the Torah that a Sukkah has to be at least ten Tvachim. Why? Because we know that the Kruvim are one-third of the Bais. The Kruvim are referred to as Schach. And the space between the Kruvim and the Aram, the floor, was ten Tvachim. So according to Remeyer, we had a source in the Torah for Mechitzas being ten high. So what do you mean in Remeyer that Mechitzas are a halach Sinai. It's a mafurish of pasuk in the Torah. Says the Gemara, you're right. Kiyasi hilchasa. There's plenty of other things that we need a halach l'mishum Sinai for. For instance, legud. So we discussed good asik and good achas. We discussed this in the past, but this halach l'mishum Sinai. That, for instance, if you have a wall that doesn't reach all the way to the schach. Or, we haven't discussed this yet, we will, if you have a wall that starts at the ceiling but doesn't reach all the way to the floor. So these walls, how do they become official walls? We have a rule, good. Good means it continues. Aches or asik. Good aches means it continues down. Good asik means it continues up. And this trick, this loophole, so to speak, that walls continue, called good, is a halach al-mashimisinai. And, beloved, we have another din that we need Allah Sinai for. That any time two things are within three tfachim of each other, we say that they are actually attached. And lovud works under any circumstances. So lovud is a halacha Sinai that teaches us that you don't need the wall to actually connect to itself. You can have a space of three tfachim. So for instance, that's why your deck wall works as a sukkah, as long as like the posts on your deck are within three tvachim of each other. And that's why lattice works. Lattice work works for a sukkah. Because even though it's not a solid wall, you can rely on lovin. So that's a halacha from Sinai that we all need in walls. And finally, Devan Akuma, the halacha we discussed on Damdalid, that a wall will actually tilt and curve to where it needs to be, is a halacha from Sinai and that is, that is the halachim shemesinahs, even in Rameyer. So before we go back to the Rishash asks a great kasha. We're about to start a sugya, and this sugya is going to teach us that the last wall of the sukkah only needs to be one tefah. So you have to have a couple regular walls plus one little wall. How do you know that? Halachim shemesinah. Asks the Rishash, why did the Gemara say, Rameyer, Rameyer, that knows that a, halacha is, that a sukkah has to be ten tfachim from the Torah, what halacha Sinai do we have? Asks the Rishash, Bam Kasha. The halacha Sinai that allows that last wall to be only one tefach. Isn't that a halacha Sinai? <coughs> so the Rishash says, a plea of the Keteretz. The Rishash says, that wall, that's a tefach, it's not a halacha Sinai that the wall only needs to be a tefach. It's a real wall, using the halacha of Sinai of good. 
that says the Rishash, it's not a one tefach wall. It's a full wall. Good, the halacha Mishmasina that the Gemara just identified, good, the wall, allows the wall to continue. So says the Rishash, it's not an independent halacha Mishmasina. It's not a new halacha Mishmasina that the last wall could be one tefach. It's a halacha Mishmasina that allows good to finish that wall off, and therefore that would not be a good answer to that question. A big Kiddush from the, from the um, Rishash. Speaking of which, let's start that next Gemara. So we had a Mishnah, beginning of the Sech, the Mishnah said, three or four psulim in a Mishnah, in a sukkah. Higher than 20, apostle. So we did that for two blood. Less than 10, apostle. Did that for a couple blood. Now we're up to the next halach of sukkah. B'she'en l'shalish defanas. A sukkah with less than three walls, is not a sukkah. Says the Gemara. Tanara Bonner. Shtayim Kehilchasan. Two of the walls have to be real walls. And we said back in the day on that Bays and Gimel, a wall has to be at least seven fucking big. So two of your sukkah walls have to be real, official, seven tfachim walls. The third wall, Vishlishis, the third wall, Afilu tefach can even be a tefach. So the first opinion is that yes, a sukkah needs to be three walls, and those three walls don't even need to be three complete walls. They could be two real walls and one tefach for the third wall. Rip Shimon, Rip Shimon Omer, no, Shalish Kehilchasan Uravias Afilu Tefach. It's true, you only need three walls in sukkah. You need three real walls in sukkah. And the fourth wall, of course you need a fourth wall, that needs to be a tefach. So everyone agrees to two things. Everyone agrees the last wall needs to be a tefach. And everyone agrees that there's only three walls in sukkah. The question is, what does that mean? Does that mean three real walls plus that tefach wall? Or three total walls including that regular old tefach wall? That is the machlekes between Rabbanan and Reb Shimon. So the Gemara is going to go through several um, versions of this, but let's do, <coughs> excuse me, let's do one tonight. What are Rib Shimon and the Chachamim arguing about? What caused this machlekes? Two plus one or three plus one? Says the Gemara. Rabbanan Savri, Yeshem Lemesiris, this is a machlekes that comes up several times in Gemara. When it makes a difference, it usually doesn't make a difference. When it makes a difference, how a word is spelled and how we actually read it. So for instance, this is the best example. You know, whenever this machlekes comes up, we just had it in Machis. Just had it in Marcus, uh yesterday, and it was in Sanhedrin uh, like 120 days ago, four months ago. Um, like something, you know, roughly. Sukkis is the, is the best one. The Torah writes the word, Basukais Teshvu But the way that word is written most of the time is Bez, Samach, Kuf, Tuf. So if you would see that word, Bez, Samach 
Kaf Taf. And when you see it in the Torah, it doesn't have the Kudis. How would you read that on your own? Basukas, or Bisukas, not Sukhais. You wouldn't put in a Chalim, which is a substitute Vav. That's adding an extra letter. So the way the word is written down, the Messiris, the way it was given over to us from Moshe in the Torah, the Messiris of that word is singular. It's read Basukais. You know, we read Basukais, Teshu We read Basukais, Teshu as a plural word. But that's only the Mikra of the word. That's only the Mikra of the word. That's only how it's read. But if you would just look at it without any Nakudas, the way it's written in the Torah, you would read it basukas, singular. So the difference, how you read it or how it looks, is called yesh aim lemikra or yesh aim lemisiris. Yesh aim lemisiris. Do we give yesh aim like is the mother, you know, which is the source? Do we give? You know, every time I read this, I was once at a um, your kind of Hungarian rov gave a drasha. And he was talking about this this mother who like was so effective in giving over like chinuch to her kids. Do sit a taich yaish I'm So so like, like, I can't say the with a straight face. So like when you have a word that looks one way but sounds another way, do we go how it looks? Messiris, or do we go how it sounds, Mikra? So Basu Kais is a great example. It's written singular. Bez, Sama, Kaf, Taf. Yeshem le Messiris would say it's singular. Yeshem le Mikra says it's plural. Now, the word Basu Kais is written three times in the Torah. Two the way I described it. Bez, Sama, Kaf, Taf. And one the way it sounds. Bez, Sama, Kaf, Vav. Saf, tough. So, one of the three times is for sure plural. There's nothing to argue about. It's written and read as plural. The other two times, it's written singular, read plural. What takes precedence? Yesh aim lemesiris, the way that it's written, takes precedence, or yesh aim lemikra, the way that it's read, takes precedence. Says the Gemara, b'may kamifli. Rabbanan savri, yesh aim lemesiris. The Rabbanon hold, the way it's written in the Torah takes precedence. The way it's read takes precedence. So says the Gemara, the Gemara explains. Rabbanon Savri, the Rabbanon hold, the way it's been given over in the written word is the main way, and this is how it looks. So if you were given to read it without a kudus, you would arrive at basukas, Basukas, single, single, so that's one, two. Basukais is another two, because that's for sure plural, that's four. Hareikan Arba. So you have four walls total. The Rabbanon have four walls to work with. Single one, singular one, and a double. So that equals four. The Rabbanon, by virtue of reading the words the way it looks, have one, one, and two, equals four. And therefore... Dal chad There's a rule that whenever the Torah writes something many times, you have to um, 
okay, just bad, bad um, marshal. Like when you play like the horse game, someone has to break the ice. So like the first shot doesn't count. So like horrible marshal, but he gets the point across. Um, the first time the terrorist says something, you can't use it as an extra drusher. You don't get any credit for that. So that's just breaking dice. So that's called darshan tchila. Says more. Minus one for itself. You can't darshan the first time it writes something. The Torah has to give you the idea, it has to give you the concept before you ever write to make something out of it. So you have four total. Knock off one. Knock off one for breaking dice. Pashulei telasa. You have left three sukkuses. Because you started with four, one, one, and two. You lost one because of breaking dice. You're down to three. And those three are as follows. Shtayim kehilchasin, two proper walls. Va'asi hilchasa, and the halach l'meshmesinai comes, v'garat v'lashlishis, and lowers the third wall, v'okmat tefach, and makes it a tefach. <coughs> That's how the Rabbanon arrive at their formula. Start with four, lose one. You're down to three. Of those three, Two proper walls and one shvacha wall. For Reb Shimon Savar, Yeshem Lamikra. Reb Shimon holds, no, the way it's read takes precedence. And therefore, I don't care how it looks in the Torah, it sounds to me like three plurals. Basu kais two, basu kais two, basu kais two. So you have three plurals equals six. Can't yeah, but you have no right to, to assume that. You have to do the minimum you could prove. It's at least two. Harekan Sheish, that's six. Now, Dalchad Krolagufe, you have to knock off one Pusik. Now, here, you're knocking off two because each Pusik is worth two. So you're down to four. Same formula. Pashala Arba, he has four. And of those four, Shalesh Kehilchasen, three of them are proper walls. Asi Hilchasan the Halacha Meshumisinai comes, Vigarat the Lerevius, and lowers the fourth, Vukmisa Atefach, and makes it a Tefach wall. And that is the Gemara's first iteration of how we get this Machlekes that the Rabbonin say a sukkah has to be two proper walls plus a Tefach, and Rav Shimon says it has to be one proper wall plus a, uh, sorry, three proper walls plus a Tefach. Okay. The bar's a little long, so we'll stop for the uh, for the. Come on, let me go still a couple seltzer and then we'll do that. So we're on to the uh, third din in our Mishnah. So the first din in the Mishnah was a sukkah that's higher than twenty. The Chacham says pasuvudis is kosher. We dealt with that. Second in our Mishnah was that a, um, a sukkah that is lower than ten tfachim is pasal. What's the source for that? We dealt with that. It's either a pasik or a halachal meshmusinai. We then started the third din that a sukkah has to be three walls, which actually turned out to be a machlikas tanoim. The chachamim hold a sukkah has to be. Two walls plus one tefach. And Rav Shimon holds a sukkah has to be three walls plus one tefach. So, 
we already have one explanation of the machlekes between the Chachamim and Herb Shimon, and that is as follows. The Torah says the word Sukkais three times in the Torah. Two times it's spelled Chaser, Bez, Samach, Chaf, Taf, which if you look at it, which we call Yeshem Lemesiris, looks like Basukas. If you read it, it sounds Basukais. So the way it looks, you have singular, singular, plural. It's four. That's the Chachamim. The Chachamim have Sukais mentioned four times because the first time it's singular, Bez, Samach, Kaf, Taf. Second time it's singular, Bez, Samach, Chaf, Taf. The third time it's plural, Bez, Samach, Vav, Chaf, Saf. So, therefore, the there's for sure four. If you go the way it's written, Yesh Aim Lemesiris, it's four times. If you go the way it's read, it's Basukais, so it's three times two. It's six. So each one takes off one Pasuk for Darshan Tchilas, it's called. We called it on Thursday night, Break the Ice. So the Chachamim are left with three, because you have a total of four. One gets knocked off. It turns into three, two plus one. And Rav Shimon has a total of four, and it turns into three plus one. That was one way of understanding the Machalik. So we're going to give three more alternatives right now. We are a little lower than the middle of Vav Amid Beis. Last word on the line. Or I could tell you, Dekuli Alma Yeshem Lamikra. Everyone agrees the way we darshan the Torah is how it's read. So I have six. Because I don't care how it's written. It's read. Basukais, basukais, basukais. Plural, plural, plural. So that's three times plural is six. So I have six to work with. The machlek is between Rav Shimon and the Chachamim is as follows. Mar savar sichacha one of the opinions, the Chacham's opinion, is that Schach also requires a Pasik. So it's very interesting. Beside, beside one Pasik being necessary, beside one Pasik being necessary for like breaking the ice, we need to use a oops, sorry. We also need another Pasik for Schach. So we start with six. We lose one just to tell you the topic. And yes, the Rishanim do struggle. What exactly is the difference between the topic and schach? Isn't the topic schach? Well, the difference is walls and schach, and it gets, it gets involved, but the Rishonim do ask this. So the Chacham says, you start with six. You lose one just to tell you about the topic, Darshan Tchilas, down to five. You lose one to tell you about schach, down to four. Of those four, I'm sorry, you lose one, I'm, I'm sorry, you lose one whole Pusik for you're down to four, and you lose one more for schach, you're down to three, which is two plus one. And, Umar Savar Rabbi Shimon old schach doesn't need a pasik. So, yeah, you lose one of the psukim, but you still have four, and the last one is a halach lamashim sinai. Vibay Seima, a third option how to learn the machleg is to kuliyami yeshem lemesiris. Everybody. Learns Yeshem Lemesiris. Everybody learns that the way it looks is the way it's darshant. 
So therefore, it looks like Sukkas 1, Sukkas 2, Sukkais 4. Mar Savar, and of course we lose one for the breaking the ice, so we're down to three. Mar Savar ki asi hilchasal ligareya. The Allah the Mishri Sinai, like we've been saying until now, knocks off a wall. So we had three, and the Allah the Sinai knocked it down to two real walls and one tefach. Umar Savar, the Rabshivan's opinion is, yeah, this Allah the Mishri Sinai. But who says it's to knock off a wall and knock it down to a tefach? It's to add a tefach to what you have already. Umar Savar ki asi hilchasa lahaisif. The Allah of the adds on. So let's just recap the math. You have, since it's yesh aim lemesiris, you go by the way it's written. So you have a total universe of four. You knock off one for breaking the ice, you're down to three. And the Chacham say, okay, the Allah of the takes that third wall down to a tefach. Rabbi Shimon says, no, the Allah adds on a tefach to that third wall. Who says that this halacha l'mishimisina has to be to knock down a wall? That's what we've been assuming till now. No, maybe it adds a wall, which is very interesting because then it will come out that it will come out like a difference in where you know the walls from. It will come out of Rav Shimon, three walls are in the Torah, and one wall is halacha l'mishimisina. Until now, every way we learned, all, the number of walls was in the Torah. The halacha l'mishimisina modified what it said in the Torah. Now, we're having a whole new concept. We're having, in Rav Shem and Shita, three walls are from the Torah, and one wall is totally Ahalach HaMashim which is interesting. And finally, a fourth option, or maybe a fifth option, I'm losing count, No, we, that, we don't really want to say that. The Ahalach knocks down a wall. And it goes by how it is, and it goes by how it is read, written. So, it has singular, singular, basukas, basukais, plural, basukais. It's four. And we're definitely, the Allah doesn't add. So, and we lose one, lachaira, for breaking the ice. So, the chacham sheet is perfect. You're down to three, and the Allah which always knocks things down, makes it two plus a tefach. So where did Rav Shimon get Roshita from? Somewhere it says, They're arguing on the very concept, do you need to waste a Pusik to break the ice? Meaning we assumed in the first four explanations of the Machlekes that you need to break the ice. So whatever you, number you start with, you automatically lose one. So now we said, okay, it's Yeshem Lemaseris, you only start with four because it's the way it looks, not the way it's read. So you start with four, and the halacha of Sina knocks one down. Well, if you're going to lose one pasik to break the ice, you're down to two and a tefach. Says the word, no, Rav Shimon holds, you do not lose a, you don't need to use a pasik to break the ice. You don't need to waste one pasik for darsh and tchilas, that tzarech krala gufei, for the breaking the ice, just to introduce the topic, doesn't need a pasik. So that, those are five options of the Machlekes between Reb Shimon and the Chachamim. Reb Masna gives one final option. I think it's number six, but it's totally different. Reb Masna says, I'm going to tell you, Pshat Reb Shimon, I'm going to tell you what Reb Shimon's thinking, that he says you need 
three walls in the Pepa. And it's going to be totally different. Now I'm not counting walls. The reason of Rav Shimon is from here. It describes in Yeshaya the purpose of a sukkah. Sukkah will be for you to provide shade during the day from the sun. And for a cover and protection from winds and rain. And therefore, concludes the Gemara, if the sukkah, by definition, the Pasuk in Yeshaya is defining what a sukkah does. It's defining what a sukkah does. A sukkah, by nature, is protective. And Rav Shimon, therefore, learns out that, hey, if a sukkah needs to be protective, it needs to be four walls. The sukkah needs to be four walls. And therefore, this reason in Rav Shimon is totally different than all of the other reasons. All of the other reasons are counting words in a Pasuk. Says Rav Shimon, says Ramasna, one second, we're losing sight of this. Rav Shimon isn't darshaning anything. Rav Shimon isn't playing a numbers game, what words mean. It's very simple. A sukkah has a use. A sukkah has a need. Sukkah fills a need. Look in the Pasuk in Yishai, the sukkah is meant to protect you. If you want to be protected, and you have one totally open wall, you're not protected from the elements. Therefore, says Ramasta, that's where Shimon knows you need four walls in the sukkah. That is the Pasuk. Asks the Ritva, asks the Ritva, I mean, his, his question is great. His answer is not so satisfactory. I mean, I shouldn't talk that way. His answer won't make us happy, but it's a, a new lambdas. So then, if the point of a sukkah is to protect you from the elements, and that's where we know you need four walls, so why do you need three and a tefach? Why does three and a tefach suffice? If the makar for three and a tefach is logic, in other words, if it's a pasik, so I understand, you're counting words in a pasik to come up with numbers of walls. So you have, you have, you know, um, uh, you have two, two, one, 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 two, fine. I understand how you can arrive at three and one. If you're learning out a sukkah needs to be four walls or three and one from a logic that it has to protect you from the elements, three walls and one tefach will not, provi- will not protect you from the elements. It won't provide protection from the elements. Let's say your sukkah is 20 feet wide. You have 19 exposed feet of wind, driven rain right into your sukkah. So how does that work? So says the Ritva, well, that's what Allah Sinai is coming to do. So, like I said, the kasha of the Ritva is great. The tarots of the Ritva, it doesn't sound good. What the Ritva must be saying in the tarots is, is that Allah Sinai suspends the logic, which means yes, I'm learning that you need four walls from logic. Okay, but now, says the Lachim Sinai, turn off the logic, and the fourth wall can be a tefach. The Ritva is pointing out that according to Reb Shimon, in this reason, the Halachim Lachim Sinai is not simply <coughs> counting how big the fourth wall is. The Halachim Lachim Sinai is changing the logical understanding of the fourth wall. 
the halacha of Sinai is changing the use and the definition of a wall. Until now, <coughs> the first five tributes were all numbers games. Okay, we have six to play with, knock off one, and the halacha of Sinai knocks off another. So that's how you write three and one. Okay, we have five to start off with, add one, knock one off, yesham, make yesham, Cyrus, add one, knock one off. It was all a numbers game. So okay, fine, you're playing a numbers game. I hear how the halacha of Sinai just participates in the numbers game to augment the numbers. I hear that. But says the Ridva, now in Ramas, that's a whole different style of Jerusha. I'm not darshaning a numbers game. I'm not saying, you know, the Pusik provides a six total, knock off one, add one, minus one, add another. So, okay, I don't care if the Alacham Shusinai plays a numbers game. It's a logic. You're still going to need to protect you. Protection equals four walls. So then, how is the last wall able to be only one tefach? Says the Ridva, that's the Alacham Shusinai. But what are you saying? That's connected to Svara. So, you, I mean, Ad Kandivere Ritva. Now we have to understand the Ritva. What the Ritva is telling us is that the Alachajimusinai tells you, yes, you got the number four from a logic. Now, suspend logic and knock that fourth wall down to Atefa. Because you'll be put here anyway if it's ranked. No, one second. <clears throat> Avi, yes, you're putter if it's raining. But that doesn't limit what the definition of a wall of a sukkah is. You're right. You may be putter as a user of a sukkah. But I'm still able to glean what the definition of a sukkah is, that the sukkah's walls have to provide protection from the rain. So we're operating in two different planes. You're talking practically, am I in the sukkah? He's learning from what the definition of a sukkah is. Yeah? But that, that's what the Redva points out over here. Okay. <clears throat> Fine. We've now established that a sukkah has to be, let's talk in the sheet of the Chachama, but everything we're about to say is true in the interruption. And also, but let's talk in the Chachama. The sukkah has to be two walls, two real walls, and one tefach for the third wall. Where does that one tefach go? So all of you have thought all along, like the first Territz of the Gemara, that one tefach, where do you place it? You place it by the end. So if you look in the bottom of your Rashi, you'll have two pictures. You have two real walls and one tefach wall. And the tefach is simply the beginning of a third wall placed at the end of one of the other two walls, which is how you imagined it all along. And Rob just confirms what you've imagined. Rav Kahana and Rav Asi both asked Rav, put it... <coughs> Put it like the edge of a row of crops. Reishtor means the head of an ox. So just, just let's get the definition out of the way first. Rashi explains that if you were a farmer and you had rows of crops, each row would be slightly shorter than the row next to it, allowing your cow a turnaround spot when he's pulling the plow 
where you could turn around and not trample your crops. I mean, you could plant all the way to the edge of your field, but then when your cow has to turn around, he's going to trample it, so you wasted your space. So if you want, like, efficient turnaround for your cow, you're going to make each row shorter, so when he gets to the end of the row, he could, like, trample on the next row, invade it, and go <coughs> down in between the rows and make a plow. So the effect, if you'd be looking at it from the top, is that the rows look like they're on a diagonal. So that's why Kineged Reishor, like the head of a calf, the head of a shar, the head of an ox. So the head of an ox means diagonal. Why does it mean diagonal? Because of that. Bottom line is, Rav Asi and Rav Kana Rav Asi <coughs> asked Rav, why don't you make it on a diagonal? Okay. Now, what's their kasha? What did Rav say wrong? And what are they asking on Rav? The answer is, is that Rashi alludes to this. The answer is, is that they were basically saying, Rav, your tefach, we all know that a sukkah should be four walls. Ideally, in everyone's shita. A sukkah should be four walls. So when you say, just put the last tefach at the edge of one of the walls, you're making like a sorry excuse for one wall. So now you have like two and a teeny bit. Why don't you do something that acts as both a third and a fourth wall? Why don't you do something that will mimic having four walls? How so? Let's say you have a wall across the north, and across the west. So you have a north wall and a west wall. So if you just stick a little bit in the east, so you have two and one, or you stick a little bit on the south, you have two and one. Whereas if you do a diagonal, this wall is both a east wall and a south wall. In fact, the way Tysus probably learns it, it's how to learn Tysus. Tysus learns this kasha, you have a north wall, and you have a west wall. You should put a wall, so like just like, you know, for my bad sense of direction wall, you have a wall that goes from Maine to Washington, across the northern border of the United States, and you have a wall that goes from Washington down to California. Asks the Gemara, put a diagonal wall. The way Rashi learns it is, at the top corner, like in Maine, put a slanty wall. The way Tysus understands it, like most Russian, for sure, the Mahamas understands it like this, put a slanty wall in Florida. <laughs> Meaning you have a wall that goes across the entire north of the United States and the entire west of the United States. Put a little tefach in Florida, attached to nothing. And that little tefach in Florida will act as a south wall, because it's, like it's like pointed southwards, and it'll act as an east wall pointing east. So, do you have a picture? I'm sure in the pictures they have this. They have this. Black and white? Yeah, so on um, Zion and Maral, they have a good one. Zion and Maral, they have a good one. Art scroll. So, so, 
here. In other words, the way we're explaining it, this is Rashi, you have two real walls and a tap -up. The way Tyson explains it is you have real wall one, real wall two, and this wall is in the middle of nowhere, but it represents both other sides. True. Yeah. It makes sense, but you haven't explained why the slant wise, if it's attached to uh, in the main area, is representative of two walls. See, like this one in the middle of nowhere. Is it less than four hours away from the. Yeah, no, that's the next terrace. That's the next terrace. See, like this, like in the middle. Because otherwise it's not. That makes more sense. do with anything. On one hand, so that that is that is what Tysus asks. From the fact that Tysus asks that Kasha, what you just asked, we see he didn't learn like Rashi. That's how we know Tysus learns this way. Tysus says, well, since it's not anchored by nothing, it's going to disappear halachically. So we see that, you know, Tysus doesn't say this suggestion outright like we're saying it, but Tysus asks, Tysus misunderstood Rashi. Tysus asks, Tysus asks, well, if you have a diagonal not touching anything, it's going to disappear. It's, it's halachically nowhere. So that's how we see that Tysus learned this suggestion. But both Rashi and Tysus' suggest, um, shot in the Gemara is what Rav Kahana and Rav Asi were asking on Rav. Rav, your one tefach is only an excuse for one wall. If you would put it on a diagonal, either Rashi's diagonal like you have on the top attached to one of the walls, or Tysus's diagonal freestanding in the opposite corner, then at least this, this tefach can act as a fake two walls rather than a fake one wall. So why, if you're going to take the tefach, it's not costing you any more lumber, it's not costing you any more lumber, place it in a manner that imitates two walls rather than a, in a manner that imitates one wall. Why is that you don't need two walls? You don't have to. Because, one second, because, oh, hold on, that's Briskerov's kasha, but it'll be a better kasha on the next Gemara. That's Briskerov's kasha. We'll get there, Briskerov. Tomorrow. Um, what, Nelson? I just, can you explain why the diagram on the top by Rashi is, indicates two walls? Because, okay, so let's call the top one north, and let's call the left one west, or in the second picture, the top one's still north, and the right one is east. What would you describe the diagonal wall as? The? The tefach. East. You have the, what would you describe the tefach as? Give me a direction. It's like east. Really? Don't look east to me. East would be due down. D-U-E. Down. You're saying because it's pointing towards the south? Because it's, 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 it's in two directions. Southeast. Exactly. It's, it's southeast. The winds are coming in. South, southeast at 42 knots. Right? It's pointing in two directions. So again, the whole tefach is symbolic at best. The tefach is not nothing real. It's not really acting as a wall. It's not protecting you from anything. So it's like a zechel adavra zevi. So frekt rav asrav kahana and rav asi on rav. If you're going to make a tefach to like imitate a wall, why just fake one wall, fake two walls? That's the law of the set. In other words, why are you saying the kula goes so wide? Maybe it don't limit it. Exactly. 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 This is better by three standards to say what. Tysus is like better because like 
as far as your mind is concerned, I mean, as far as Rashi is concerned, it does two directions. But as far as your mind is concerned, when you have Tysus' suggestion, you mamish have co- coverage in four directions. Because, like, you know, like Nasser was, you know, like he's saying, like, come on, this thing is, is basically like a little hook off the north top. But if it's totally independent in Florida, it's mamish acting as a south wall and as an east wall. So, like, in your mind's eye, to, like, convince you you're surrounded by four walls, it does a better job. The test just has the cash merit. Says the Gemara, Shasik Rav. Rav was silent. Rav didn't answer. So the question is, is that good news or bad news? Meaning the Ritva says, Shasik Rav as in, you're right. You're right. Or Shasik Rav as in like, that is so stupid it doesn't even deign a response. Like when someone says something like crazy to you, you're just like, <laughs> so what, what, what was Shasik Rav? And the Ritva concludes that, the, better close your ears, the only time you're able to be like horrible is to your tell me to, that's a Torah, that's what the Ritva says. Like, you can't do that to like a regular guy. Just like, ignore him and act mm-hmm. disgusting like that. To Talmud, Amol, you have to like give the guy like a Nazifa. That's what the Ritva says. It's different back in the day. But, but <coughs> Rav Kahana and Rav Asi weren't Talmidim of Rav. And therefore the Ritva concludes that it was a Shasik as in, good point. As in, I hear what you're saying. Like, yeah, you do accomplish much more than what I did. Umar just finishes off. <clears throat> like our first suggestion, you just put it by one of the walls. And that is how they paskin in the base madrash, that we put it by the exit. You know what? Just give me two minutes and I'll finish the Gemara. And then we could say the Briskarov. So, so far, <clears throat> we have two suggestions. Where to put this tefah? Suggestion number one, put it by the edge of one of the walls, like we always had in our mind. Suggestion number two, put it on a diagonal that at least it will do two walls. Rav Simain, Vitema, Rav ben Levi, Amar, Rav Simain, in the name of Rav Shuban Levi says, <clears throat> you have to do as follows. Number one, isolate tefach seichik. Make it a smiling tefach. What does that mean? That means that a tefach is a hand's breath. But if you like allow your hand to relax, <coughs> it looks like your hand is smiling. So sort of like when, nah, I never saw this on my shirt, but I saw some other people's shirt, like when your buttons are smiling, right? <laughs> when you like allow it to expand, <laughs> Um, when you allow it to expand, it's called a tefach seichik. So says the Gemara, the tefach they're referring to is not a strict tefach, it's a smiling tefach. Umamidai, and you place that tefach, bepachas me tefachim, a drop less than three tefachim, a drop less than three tefachim, samach to your wall, and then anything <clears throat> within three is love. So if you look at the top picture in the margin, you have this idea. 
you have your two basic walls. In my mind, that looks like a north wall and a west wall. And then, in the east, you don't just put the tefach against one of the walls. You number one make it a little bigger than a tefach, which then allows you to put it a little less than three away from the wall. So now, you have a little less than three away from the wall, so it's low, but it's like it's still attached to the wall. Then you have this tefach that's actually a little bit bigger than a tefach. So how much off of the wall are you already? Four tefachim. Because you have the three of Lavud, like you know, 2.99, plus you have the 1.01 of the tefach. So you're already four tefachim off of the wall. And, and you have four tefachim of real wall. Why is four a magic number? Four is rave of seven. Four is rave of seven. So this way, this is the most efficient, economical way of using a tefach. You just made rave of a wall, rubai kikulai, out of a tefach. If you have, maybe you could even go as far as to say, if you have rave of which would be a little over two. Uh, 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 so someone asked that, Arishan asked that, and said, we need a Ruba the Minker. So it needs to be four. Someone says, what do you mean? Rev is 3.01. Or 3.51, I mean. Why do you need four? You need a Ruba the Minker. That's what the answer to your Akasha. But what we have over here, says the Gemara in this third suggestion, is don't just use a Tefach as an excuse for a wall. Use a tefach in a manner that you can combine a couple zachen over here. So you combine lovud, that buys you three tefachim. Then you put your tefach there, so you have already four real tefachim, because lovud is real. So now, your tefach isn't simply a sorry excuse for a wall. Your tefach is now rave of a wall, and it's a real wall. That's the final suggestion. And believe it or not, that's how we paskin. That's the final suggestion for the third wall, where to put the tefach. Asks the briskerov, and I think, Ellie, this is what you meant to ask before, what are you talking about? We had a Gemara that said that you only need a tefach. Why are you trying to make out of the tefach a wall? If I needed a wall, that's what I would do. If I needed a wall, that's what I would do. I don't need a wall. We said you have a lachav shemisina that you're allowed to use a tefach. Why are you trying so hard to come up with lumbuses to make this tefach into something more than it needs to be? The halachav shemisina usher is that the tefach is a tefach, and the last law could be a tefach. I heard your lashon. Your lashon is mechtesi. You're able to be makel in the definition of the halachav shemisina that much. The halachav shemisina is a tefach. So ask the risk of, why do you need all this? Fine. And I didn't even hear that because in the first two, two cases because, yeah, you have a tefach, but no one ever told you how it has to be placed. So I can hear <laughs> why we could fight about that. But in this third terence, where you're literally doing all sorts of tricks in order to make a tefach into a wall, why do you need to do that? The Talach says you need a tefach, you don't need a wall. Why are you twisting yourself into a pretzel in order to make a seven tefach wall? You only need a tefach. Why is this necessary? That's the brisker of Kasha. Well, Simon's idea would not work for the first two walls. It's not a wall. I mean, it's still a kula. It's still something that, right? I mean... Right, so then, so then fine, but it's not, then not a tefach. 
it's it's for no, it's like your masculine is for it fucking solid. Because love it, love it, your your halachic glasses tell you to look at love it right, so that it's solid. So it's for it. So That's Miss Girl's Kasha. You really want to know? The tarot is, you're not going to like this. The tarot is, is that you're 100% right. You don't need it. There's two dinim. There's a din in, in tefach, and there's another din in sasam. That your sukkah has to be closed. So Simone is adding that, like, yeah, alt tefach, the tefach would have sufficed anywhere. But that wouldn't give you a din sasam. There's a new din, the Rizkarov Machadish, that you need to have a sukkah has to be sasam. That's what Rizkarov's tarot. That's why we left it as a kash. You were, happy. You were happier. When it was From that plus, like, okay, then you're a Shimon. We're, we're in the Chacham. Someone say that. So why can't we combine love and make all your law? Because Mechitz is Nikaras being there. 